Hello and welcome to the Everyday Adventure Podcast. My name is Nikki Bass and I will be bringing you thoughts, ideas and stories from some incredible guests to hopefully inspire you to live more adventurously in your everyday lives. So today is my absolute pleasure to welcome Shadi Ganjavian Connor to the show. Shadi is a philanthropist, she's an adventurer, she's a public speaker, and she's undertaken some incredible challenges. In June 2016, she climbed Mont Blanc to raise money and awareness for the Teenage Cancer Trust. And this was despite her fear of heights and her hatred of the cold, which just impresses me even more. She's since gone on to scale the Matterhorn, Elbrus, and is currently planning to be part of an all-female trip to ski to the North Pole in 2022 to conduct ice research in the Arctic. So I first heard Shardy speak as a guest on Frankie Dewar's amazing podcast, Extraordinary Ordinary You. And you might have heard Frankie, she appeared back in season one, episode 23. So if you want to hear about her epic journey around the UK, speaking to amazing women about what adventure means to them, please do go and check that out. But I was so, I, I was absolutely spellbound. I was struck so much by her energy, by her commitment. Um, and also Shardy's just her willingness to take on these challenges that was so far out of her comfort zone, but that she managed to break down enough to make them manageable and then to go on and achieve so much more. So she's a perfect guest for the show in that sense. And I'm just absolutely thrilled that um, that she decided to join me. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on, Shadi. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on. I was just listening to your intro and I was like, did I actually do all of that? Did that actually happen? <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I did. So, you know, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, no. It, it, like I said, it's an absolute pleasure. And I think, you know, especially at the moment, particularly the situation we're in, sometimes reflecting back on those sort of, yeah, those achievements or those things that those adventures that we've had can seem sort of otherworldly or like mm. they took place in a, a parallel universe. So I guess my first question is what really motivated you to take on such big challenges and ones that were so out of your comfort zone as well? Yeah, so um, I think for me, uh, the charity aspect of it was extremely strong because um, I like to do things with a purpose that serves others. I, I don't see the point of doing something if it's just for myself. You know, I think that's very short lived. Um, so for me, if I'm going to do something, it has to have a ripple effect to lots of people. Um, and I'm passionate about charities that are to do with children because I think children shouldn't suffer they should have the time of their lives when they're growing up and uh, Teenage Cancer Trust seemed the, the right charity for me and um, scaling Mont Blanc was just like what what, what can I do to raise twelve and a half thousand pounds for Teenage Cancer Trust I've done your you know half marathons I've done your tough mudders I've done you know all these wonderful challenges but I really need to do something that's extraordinary so that I can raise this huge sum of money um, I'd never climbed anything. I didn't know anything about climbing. I'm terrified of the, the, the heights and the cold. Um, and so it seemed perfect. I didn't even really know where Mont Blanc was. I just quite liked the sound of it, you know, <laughs> Mont Blanc. Yes, why not? Um, and so I went with a lady that I'd met in St. Lucia. It was sort of like a bit of a pivotal point, I suppose. My husband had taken me to St. Lucia 
for my 40th. The pitons were there. And I said to Tim, wouldn't it be cool to just go and hike the pitons and see what it's like? He said, yeah, you can go and do that. So I went, met this crazy American lady on the pitons in the middle of the rainforest, you know, with drip, um, a sweat dripping from places that we didn't know that you could sweat from. We became friends. And then that evening, she was in the same hotel and at the bar. And so I think it was just a bit of euphoria. And I was like, would you like to climb something with me? Having just climbed the pit on, it took a few hours. And she said, yeah, why not? you know um and I said Mont Blanc I don't really know where it is but should we do that and so we struck this deal at the bar <laughs> that awesome. we were going to <laughs> climb Mont Blanc and um Nikki honestly we turned up the pair of us like dumb and dumber in Chamonix with uh, the basic kit no idea what we were doing when they gave us an ice axe we were like what we need an ice axe so yeah really in the deep end but no clue, which I think sometimes is the best way of doing things. If you plan things too much, you can talk yourself out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the charity aspect, I had to do it. There's no, you know, backtracking or change of plan. You know, the I had these great sponsors and, um, yeah, I had to sort of deliver. No, that's a really good point, actually, about the planning, because it's, yeah, it's definitely been mentioned by previous guests a few times about this thing that actually sometimes being in at the deep end and not knowing what you're setting yourself up for is, is a good way to do it. I'm not certainly not advocating, you know, going out and and, and doing something crazy and, and and putting yourself in danger. But at the same time, I think with some of these immense challenges, if we think too much about what they involve, then we can start to talk ourselves out of them. Whereas actually a slightly naive belief that we can, of course we can do it. And, you know, why not? I think often gets us to the starting line. So so how did you then go from the foot of Mont Blanc, wondering what to do with an ice axe, to, to scaling the Matterhorn and Elbrus? And- yeah. So um, then, of course, I came back and I had this army of amazing women and men who were basically supporting me and sponsoring me. And I suppose just as shocked as I was that I'd been able to do it, you know. And I realized that actually it wasn't just me doing the climb. It was all these people that were supporting me and encouraging me. And between us, we managed to raise this extraordinary sum of money for the hospital. So then um, somebody said to me, what's your next challenge? You know, the typical conversation. I was like, well, you know, when I was in the airport, coming back in Geneva, I noticed the Toblerone chocolate and somebody told me that the mountain on the Toblerone chocolate is the Matterhorn. That looks dangerous. How about we do that? And and so it went from that to Elbrus to the next thing to the next thing. And it's sort of, I've still not conquered my fear of heights. I'm still extremely respectful of heights. What I love about these expeditions is the sort of planning, the sort of layers that come um, for the fundraising, for the causes, um, meeting new people, learning about the equipment. And I know, I hate this word. I, I, don't, I only discovered yesterday or the day before that I really don't like the word mindfulness because I don't really understand what it means. I just think it's a word that we really use too much. But when I'm climbing and I'm on the expeditions, I'm in that space of mindfulness. So meditative because there's there's nothing else I can think about. I'm just thinking about a pack, unpack, pack, put things here, put things at right, climb, 
try and get some sleep, hydrate, you know, it's all about staying healthy as such. Um, and so that space of um, meditation, mindfulness, whatever you choose to call it, is an opening and learning about myself. So I find growth in that space. And I find it hugely rewarding that I've been able to make a difference to these charities who often really struggle to raise money because there's so many wonderful charities out there Um, and doing projects like uh, scaling a mountain when you're not a mountaineer raises the profile of the charities as well so often people don't know about them or they don't know about the projects that they're involved in so um, yes it's not um, just for myself it's to help others and then I inspire I've been told by people that it inspires them to go hell you know she's a mom, she's got two kids, she's got other things going on in her life, but she's managing to do this. So why can't I? And often we use silly excuses like, uh, I don't know, I have a job or, or I don't have the money or I don't have the skills or I don't have the time. Time is the one that most people use. But actually, if you remove all of that and say, I'm just going to do it, whatever it is, crazy idea, come up with a crazy idea, I'm going to do it. Okay, now rewind. How are you going to do it? It will all naturally fall into place. You just have to go, I'm going to do it. Don't worry about anything else. The magic happens when the intention's there. And um, if you surround yourself with uh, people who, you know, get a watering can and water that uh, little um, idea so that it sprouts and grows. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and again, I would say that's a really common theme that, that that comes out is actually the importance of having people saying yes around you too. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining because, you know, I'm, I'm really conscious also with the format of this podcast that, that with 20 to 30 minutes, sometimes it's hard to, to get a sense. Of, I'm going, I'm, you know, I'm rattling off all of these adventures that you've done. I can imagine there were probably some fairly epic challenges that you faced along the way um, that, that you've had to overcome. And I was guess I'm just wondering what what are the ones that have stuck in your mind and also that you've been proudest somehow to, to find a way around? Yeah. So um, on Mont Blanc, my friend uh, or the lady that I met in St. Lucia, she had a really bad um, upset stomach. Um, Part of it may have been altitude sickness, um, but it was really bad. And, you know, I don't really know her. I'm nervous about the trip anyway. I'm thinking, gosh, is this that dangerous? You know, people are telling me the number of people that die on this mountain every year. So all these thoughts are racing. And then um, we're left on this glacier whilst the guide is taking uh, part of the team up the face of uh, um, a mountain just to do a bit of rope training to learn how to use the ropes and tie up and all this stuff. And he's left us on a glacier and we're sort of surrounded with these bags. And she's like, Shadi, I've got a really upset stomach. And I'm like, Leslie, we are so exposed here. We can't go anywhere. If you're going to do excuse me, diarrhea, we're going to have to make a hole right here and we can't go. And she's like, I'm going to have to do that in front of you. And I'm like, well, that we have no choice. So quite literally, we were digging a hole on this little patch that we're sat on. And um, yeah, it, it was just one of those moments where you're just like quite vulnerable, I suppose, because I've never sort of been in a space where 
you know, I've shared a loo on a night out with a girlfriend, but this is like another level of sharing a space and then helping her bury it. Because of course, we've got harnesses, we've got ropes, and you've got to try and unrope and not compromise danger. You know, we're talking life and death. Um, Yeah, so there was that. And there's other things that happen on on the mountains, such as lady stuff, you know, time of the month, you know, men have it so easy. They really have it easy. And so they just put their harness on and go and, oh, I need to have a wee. And those sort of things, I think, for me, were, were the most difficult because, yeah, I mean, I live in a, in a town and whilst I go out and I love a wild wee now, they were quite difficult things to overcome. And I'm sure some of your listeners will have had the same sort of issues when you're out and you need to go, you need to go. No, definitely. And it's so interesting because that's that's one of the questions I often get asked or probably the most frequent question I've been asked about um, when I've run sort of adventure workshops and that sort of thing is actually, what do I do? How, what if I need the toilet? If What if I'm out walking in the hills or, you know, um, I did a recce for a workshop to, to run in Norway, which sadly COVID never quite got off the ground, mm. but but there's still plans. But I know that was that was one of the biggest questions people asked was, as particularly, like you said, women asked, you know, how do I manage myself out there? And I think, you know, it's something that you take for granted when you've been doing it, you know, coming from an army background, you just sort of get on with it. But actually it is, it is also probably something that you don't necessarily think to plan for. And I think going back to your point about you can plan for all of this, these eventualities, but actually there's always going to be something that appears that you go, oh, I had, I hadn't counted for that. So that's, and it's really interesting that, you know, out of all the huge challenges that I'm imagining you must have faced, actually, those are the sort of things that stick in your mind. Yes. And then sharing the huts with men, you know, Mm. I think, um, yeah, we, we all live in this lovely space of comfort and little things like being naked, you know, or getting undressed and changed in front of someone else, particularly someone you don't know, um, can be an issue, but actually by, in a few days of being in that environment and sleeping next to a stranger in a hut, you don't really care what they see. In fact, they are probably not even aware that you're half naked. So, yeah, just the little basic things in life that, um, yeah. And like you said, we're just not used to because most of us spend most of our time living living in lives that we've constructed for ourselves in, in very Correct. comfortable ways. So, yeah, it can be quite confronting, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've touched on it slightly, but I was just wondering that, you know, that there are the really obvious benefits that come out for doing particularly big fundraising adventures and when you, when you have those amazing outcomes. But for you, I suppose, personally, what have been the the unexpected benefits that have sort of emerged as a result of taking on, whether it's one of the challenges or the sort of the accumulation as, as you've got further and further into yeah. this sort of lifestyle? Yeah. So I've always been into doing um, charitable things. I, I, I just enjoy it. And my grandfather was a, a huge philanthropist. So I sort of learned from an early age serving others. But I suppose the things that I've learned and I carry with myself and I echo all the time to my children, their friends, other women, is that actually nothing good ever comes about in your comfort zone. And the sooner you learn that, 
the better off you're going to be. So we live in a world where we want things to be uh, smooth and easy and comfortable. Yeah, wonderful. That is so boring. There's no growth going to happen in that space. You need a little bit of suffering, a bit of hardship, a bit of cold, a bit of worry. All those things make you tough and make you resilient, which is actually something that everybody wants to learn how to do. But in order to be resilient, you need to have that space of um, struggle, really. Um, And so these sort of expeditions being in a remote place, brings that to me. I'm not saying that everyone should be doing that, but certainly perhaps construct a little list and put the items on there that you don't like. So for example, for me, an immediate one, if I wasn't going to go on an expedition, would be public speaking. It fills me with fear. However, when I do it and I've done it, I've learned a bit about myself. I may have learned um, other things that I hear myself saying And so it helps me grow. And so I would say that's what these sort of expeditions have taught me, that always step into that space of fear so that you um, grow and tackle yourself. You know, I mean, that's all we've got going. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think I, I think it's really interesting you make that parallel then as well with you know, because we tend to think about building resilience in terms of we're doing it in the moment and it's for that same type of experience later on. So we're able to cope with bigger and better adventures when we've done smaller adventures. But the extension of it is that actually, like you said, that doing a physical challenge in, you know, an outdoor space that might seem to be actually it's about it's about the mountain or it's about the fundraising actually also builds your resilience in terms of doing everyday activities. So like you said, the public speaking or I did that. So what else can I do? I know I can manage it. I know I can challenge, manage challenge and adversity. And I think it's so powerful when we learn in that sort of experiential way as well. Um, so I alluded to it slightly in your in my introduction, but I, so I, I know there is a what's next. Um, and I just wanted if you wanted to tell us a little bit more about but what you've coming up and, and, and where the sort of the motivation for that came from too. Yeah. So, um, well, as you know, most of our plans got scuppered last year and this year. So it's been a bit sort of weird, but um, I just felt like it was an opportunity to find something else, given that all the other doors and all the borders were closed. So I couldn't travel All my trips got cancelled. And I'd been following a lady who I tried to go on one of her expeditions years ago. Um, I didn't make the um, the application in time, so I couldn't go. And I saw that she was looking for some ladies to join her on a a polar expedition. Polar expedition was not really on my radar, but there's a huge science um, link to this expedition. So we'd be going on the ice, gathering um, data for research on black carbon and microplastics, which climate change, you know, of course, this has a huge impact, not on us, not on our children, but their children and their children, you know, so amazing thing to be involved in. And so I thought, well, I've got nothing else going on. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Um, So I applied. Don't forget, I don't like the cold. And uh, yeah, so I applied. And then next thing she contacted me and said, yeah, you know, you've made the cut. You're part of the team. And so there's six of us. Um, We haven't met. We've just been having Zoom meetings and we've planned the whole thing, be it the uh, team logo, the team name, the sponsorship, the equipment, 
everything thanks to the powers of Zoom. And um, yeah, so the expedition is called Big North Pole, big standing for before it's gone. Um, it's taking place in 2022. Um, and yeah, we've got our sponsors in the middle of a pandemic, which is really exciting. And uh, we've got our training in October, end of October, beginning of November this year. And none of us have been on the ice apart from the expedition leader. And uh, yeah, we're going to go and gather as much information as possible for the scientists to actually tell us what's going on in these regions and what is going to be happening in the years to come so that we can make the changes that might be required. So Gosh. yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so exciting. And like, and like you said, that you managed to do that in the current environment, I just think is, is quite incredible in itself. And like you said, the just the challenges of raising sponsorship at the moment. But yeah, I think... It's interesting, isn't it? I, I was thinking, gosh, when you've done so many things in the cold, when you don't like the cold that much, there must be a temptation at some point to go. You know what? Next time, I'm going to go. I'm going to go climb a volcano or something. Get fit. Yes, I, I, I think a, a hot challenge is definitely on the horizon. Although I've done some things in the desert, which I really did enjoy. Um, mm. But yeah, I think this is going to be totally unique, this trip, mm. because it is such a harsh environment and we're going there to work. So it's not, you know, most people might go to the North Pole to to then hold a flag and say, I did it. You know, I've always wanted to do this bucket list done. That's not the case for us. We, we just want to make a difference to science. And then work with children and organisations that will have us to explain to them what is actually happening there and um, have some answers, really, which is mm. much needed. Yeah. Definitely. So it's exciting. And um, I'm just excited to learn from these gorgeous ladies because they're all, you know, of different backgrounds and we're all going to bring something new. And a lot of my expeditions tend to be done with with guys because naturally you know, it seems to be that there's more men on, on the mountains generally when I've been out. And I look forward to brushing shoulders with some girls and not being shy to be naked. <laughs> I was about to say, it gets rid of some of the challenges at least. <laughs> or you're all in it together. Yeah, that's it. incredible. So if you had one piece of advice, someone's list out there and listening and thinking, gosh, I wouldn't, uh, it sounds absolutely amazing, but I just wouldn't even know where to start with my, even my first adventure. Or I really want to connect with that adventurous part of myself that I feel that that's got lost somewhere along the way. I mean, what's the one piece of advice you would give them? I would just say, put your shoes on and go for a walk or go for a run and just dream up the biggest dream that you can come up with and just go and do it. Say you're going to do it and just go and do it. I would also say, don't tell too many people that you're going to do it until it's concrete because what happens is sadly you might tell one or two people who love you dearly and want the best for you and they then choose to put their fears onto your dream and before you know it the dream's not going to happen so keep it yourself get the ball rolling and just do it don't worry about the time don't worry about the finances don't worry about the lack of knowledge look at me I mean I'm still learning and um I still probably don't have the knowledge, but you just muddle along. You'll be fine. Amazing. That's. I think that's probably the perfect note to end on. Um, so if people want to find out more about you, about your expedition, where can they go? Yeah, if they go to teamgc.co.uk on Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, on the web website, you know, they'll find me, teamgc.co.uk. 
Brilliant. And we'll pop all the links in the show notes as well so people can go and check those out too. Uh, that's been so wonderful. Thank you so much agreeing for, uh, to come on the show. And yeah, hopefully we can have you back in a year or so's time and you can tell us all I'd about your to. expedition as well. That would be amazing. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So I really hope you were left feeling inspired by that episode with Shardy. First of all, I want to say a massive thank you for all the love you've shown for season three and for our guests so far. Um, it's been so lovely receiving all of your comments and messages. And yes, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So this week, what I'd love to do is just pick up on the point that Shadi makes around learning, about treating the adventure as a learning experience and not expecting to have all the answers. And I know we've touched on it. Those of you who are regular listeners will know that one of, one of the things we've touched on many times is this idea that you don't necessarily have to have all the answers before you start. But I think there's also something about taking that a stage further and really seeing the adventure as part of that learning experience. The, the very start of it is the, the saying yes or the deciding to go for it and the committing. But that once you've done that, once you've set your mind on something, then it's about learning as you go that, that probably the adventure that you end up with, whilst it may look very similar to the one that you set out to do, there may very well be things that you've encountered along the way that you didn't expect. There may have been experiences you've had that that actually have resonated so much with you or that have become such a major part of the experience that you never anticipated. But it's also about, you know, when things go wrong or we don't get them so right or we make a mistake, that that we take that as part of the journey or part of the experience, that, that that's all building towards this knowledge. And that the idea that this, that knowledge is never really finished. You're never going to be complete, no matter how much of an expert you are in a particular area. There's always something new to learn. Circumstances change, environments change, people change. Um, and I really loved that idea. I really loved the the idea of, of an adventure being a learning process, I guess, given my background in, in learning and development, that's, that's likely to <laughs> sort of ring true for me. But I do really think that it's not necessarily that that everything stops and ends with the with the saying yes and that, that that's just the start of the process anyway i'd love as always to know what you think please do reach out let me know you can contact me on instagram resilience at work you can get in touch with me by my website resiliencework.co.uk or find me on linkedin nikki bass and feel free to connect with me there other than that i will be back again next week with another incredible everyday adventurer and i look forward to seeing you again then speak to you soon Bye.